good scripture verse. If you want a scripture verse for today, it's Deuteronomy 15.11. And in Deuteronomy 15.11, I'm just going to paraphrase. It says, and you know, when I first read this scripture, I was like, this scripture makes no sense to me. When the children of Israel were coming out of uh, Egypt, okay, they come out of Egypt. Remember, they no more get out of Egypt, and they send out what? Anybody remember that story? They sent out 12 of them. Spies. And they sent spies. They're going up there and they sent spies into the land of what? Canaan. And they sent them into the land of Canaan. Why did they send them into the land of Canaan? To spy. (laughs) To look the land over. What's it look like? You know? Go up there and see what the land looks like. Hey, what do we got? What are we facing when we get there? What are we facing? You know, Moses is going like, hey, I want to know. Think about what Moses has been through, okay? Think about what Moses has been through. God calls him from a burning bush, and then on the way back to Egypt, he tries to kill him. You know, that's a good calling. Hey, God, don't call me then. Did most of you know that? God almost killed him on the way back to Egypt. Why? He, didn't, he, he wasn't obedient. He, he wasn't obedient. But he's coming out of there, and he sends spies into the land of Canaan. And while they're in the, going into the land of Canaan, they come back with a glowing report, don't they? Not so much. It's, it's the numbers thing again. Ten, ten are like, man, we're going to get our butts kicked. <laughs> Big time. Those dudes are huge. They got armies. They got stuff. They got weapons. You know, what do we got? They're looking around. Well, we just, we got our luggage. You know. Same sandals. We've been wearing them for I don't know how many days now. My feet stink. Two, two gentlemen gave a glowing report. What did, what did those two say? They said the land is what? Flowing with milk and honey. The land is unbelievable. If you want to know what the land looks like, then I believe, I'm sorry, what I was going to share today, Jerry... When I woke up this morning, God says, no, you're not sharing that. I was like, holy cow, I've got to come up with something different. Did you ever do that? That ever happened to you? That happened this morning because I've been studying Ecclesiastes for like months now, for about six months. Did you want a lesson on Ecclesiastes? Those of you who know Ecclesiastes, probably not. We were going to get vanity stories this morning. Okay. The land... It talks about the land. So I went into some background scripture this morning real quick. And it talks about the hills. And if you know anything about Israel, it talks about the sea. It talks about, you go into around this scripture right up here. For there will never cease to be in the poor in the land. This scripture makes no sense to me. Because if you take the Joshua and Caleb's report, you take their report, and then you look at this scripture, into which this scripture is right in the center of the context of re-giving of the law, just before the children of Israel go in and take over the land. That's what's going on in Deuteronomy right here. Joshua, it's coming back and we're, we're going through the law again because just like Derek there, i got to remind you because you have a memory issue. The children of Israel have memory issues. Constantly have to remind them. Even so much at one point. You know, think about this. If you, as an individual, had watched the water part, wouldn't you be a little bit more reverent and a little bit more awe of who God is? Don't you think you would be if you actually saw that? I think I would forget just like they did. I think I would. You know, 
You know how I know I would? You know why I'm pretty sure I would forget? Because God has moved unbelievably at times in my life, and then when it gets behind me a ways, I forget, and I start doing just stuff what the human nature is again. I start relying on my own strength. I start doing the things that I did before. Why? Because they're easier. <laughs> I hate pain. I don't know about you. I hate pain. You know, if I get a headache, boom, I'm going to pop a pill. You know, they, those doctors make good money for a reason. Those pharmacists make good money for a reason. I'm going to use their skills and gift set. We typically go back to doing what we're doing. An addict will go back for years to his comfortable. That's why there's a massive recidivism rate when people come out of jail that they go back in. Why? Because unless you change environment, unless you change... Scripture says, so a man thinks, so he goes. If you don't change the thinking, if you don't, pretty soon we default right back in. We go right back to what our default is. Where, where, what we've done. We go right back to it. So this is what's going on. Children of Israel, are getting a, they're getting a reminder course. Okay. The whole law. This is just sets in the middle of the law. But when I read this scripture and we were trying to come up with an adopted scripture for faith mission, I was like, this makes no sense. They're going into the land of milk and honey. Every, every one of them get an inheritance. Go read the whole story. Every one of them get like proportioned out land. Why in the world would they need to be instructed about helping poor people among them? This isn't about poor people in general. This is about their brothers. This isn't about the Philistines. This isn't about the godless people when Abraham went through this land and God said, see over there all the way. See far as you can see over there. I'm going to give you all this. Oh, God's an Indian giver at times too in some ways. Did Abraham see all that? No. He was wandering around. But his, but his heirs got to inherit that. They get an inheritance like no other. They have to take it. It's going to take faith. But in the middle of that, the land flowing with milk with honey, and you go into the, the surrounding about this area and what the land looked like, it's, it talks about what the land looks like and why it's flowing with milk and honey. Well, you got the, the, the sea to the, the east and uh, to the west, and you got the mountains to the north. Guess what's going to happen out there? Bunch of rain. Bunch of rain. It was fertile soil out there in those lowlands. Why poor people? I'm going to tell you why. Because the human nature of you and I is not to do God's, not to be obedient to what God tells us to do. If you look, I believe, in the beginning of this chapter and around this chapter, which I did this morning real fast. God says about them going in and tells them, if you, all this, he gives them a promise. I think if you go back up into verse number one, Deuteronomy 15, verse one. Oh, I have a Bible open back there just in case my phone didn't work. I don't know about you. I don't use paper stuff much anymore. We, we're, even at the mission, we're going, um, we're going totally to, we're trying to get to totally paperless. Um, here's verse 1. This is, this is set in sabbatical year. Most of you know what sabbaticals were about. Okay, now that raises another question why they needed a sabbatical year. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts. Did you hear that? 
You shall grant a remission of debts. You know how? That if you're a born-again believer, that you can be open-handed towards the poor. You know how you can do that? Because if you're truly born again, and the Spirit of God is living in you, you realize what you have been given, and that is forgiveness. The remission of debts that you and I owe that we did not have to pay is massive. Think about this. I know I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. God himself leaves heaven, comes down, lets Romans literally beat the snot out of him. Let's the leadership at that time, the the Romans had these, they had uh, they had puppets basically out all over these areas. Okay, they had kings out there, they had their own kings out there. But then, like the Jewish people, they let them have their own little court systems and stuff. Okay, let's his own people literally abuse and and, and misuse him. Think about that for a minute. God lets himself. Go through that. The remission of sins. The reason that we are to be open-handed is because the remission of debt. This is the manner of remission. This is, this is the manner. Oh, I'm reading out of the NASB. So if it's a little different, then that's why. This is in the manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. From a foreigner, you may exact it. But your hand shall release whatever of yours is with your brother. However, there will be no... Listen to this. This is before 1511. This is verse 4. However, there will be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land. What? There will be no poor. God, are you confused? There will be no poor. Okay. Now we have a problem. There will be no poor... In the land that God's going to bless us. So then how is there going to be poor? Which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance to possess. Here's the kicker. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully all the commandment which I am commanding you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised you. And you will lend to many nations. But you will not borrow You will rule over many nations, and they will not rule over you. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficiently for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is... Now, get this. Get this. This is really important, I think, for us. Okay, I'm going to tell on myself just real quick here. I have many opinions, <laughs> some of them good, some not so good, okay? I, I, when, when I turned 18 and was able to vote, I was, like so, I was like so fired up. At that time, my dad hadn't voted for I don't know how many years, and I, I drug his butt to the voting booth, okay? I keep, you know, he was always telling me about politics and about stuff and all this stuff, and so I said, you're going to vote with me. And to be able to vote for Ronald Reagan in his second term was, like, unbelievably awesome for me. But 
like a lot of administrations, okay, and a lot of government entities, they make laws and they make diverse and sundry laws and make a bunch of them into which that have impact and even have impact on us today. One of those impacts that we have in communities all across this country that I believe is a travesty is the war on drugs. And the reason why I say that is 90-some percent of the people that are incarcerated have some type of tie to drugs or alcohol. I'm telling you this to say that we got to come up with a different approach than what we're doing. Families are literally being decimated because of our drug laws. You... And I have lost massive freedoms because of drug laws. If you go in and look at drug laws and how they impact you, think about this for a minute. You're on your way over to church today, right? Okay, let's say we live somewhere else, not in Middlebury or Goshen, whatever this is. I have the same type of, I don't, are you guys Middlebury here? Is this Middlebury? See, I live... When we had a landline, we had a Wakarusa phone and an Elkhart address. My parents live a half mile. They have a Goshen address and had a Wakarusa phone. We have an identity crisis out there, too, which uh, post office we're supposed to go to. Think about if you're on your way to church today or on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, whatever, in the wintertime it's getting dark and you're pulling out. You may have dropped off to pick some little unseating type person up. Because you've been working with that person, you know they struggle with drugs, you know they struggle with stuff, and you pick that person up to bring them over here. And that, and that house is being watched for, for, for reasons, okay? That house is being watched, okay? And so you, get, you pull down the road a little ways, and pretty soon the lights come on, you get pulled over. And have you ever watched cops? Any of you watch cops? You don't watch cops? Okay, see, see, some of you don't want to in church. I don't watch that much TV. <laughs> Our TV's on all the time. Ask my wife. She's, that noise is not on me. I, I, I can't believe I'm not a lot bigger than I am because we watch cooking shows like nonstop. The police officer walks up to you and asks you, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Think about that for a minute. No, think about that for a minute. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? I could go into a whole bunch of other things about how many liberties you and I have lost just because of drug laws. That's not the travesty. The travesty is there are families that are being decimated and shattered because we throw them in jail. And then what we do as law-abiding citizens, they deserve to be there. They deserve to be there. Let me tell you something, church. Let me legislate what your weakness is. Let me legislate our, I'm not going to say you, let me legislate my pious, righteous attitude against that and then throw my butt in jail when I fail at it. That's the bigger sin. Think about it. In our culture, in our societies, we really, as, as people, we put sins all over the map. And we have good sins, and then we have sins that we won't talk about because we know that we struggle with them. And, and, and it's all over the place. It's easy to see an addict and say, well, you're messed up. When you're using, you knew you were messed up, didn't you, Derek? <laughs> of course I'm messed up. 
We deal with that all, all the time. Another thing that happened in the 80s is that they shut down. I'm, I'm for case management in community with mental health. I had a grandmother that was bipolar. I'm still trying to figure out how my granddad did it. I don't, I don't understand it. Because I've went through some struggles. You see my wife going around in a scooter. And, Kim, I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass you. But, I'm, I, you know, becoming a caretaker is really hard, isn't it, dear? It's really hard for me. When you have to feed someone, take them to the restroom, to shower them, get them ready, and then ha- have a full-time job. Okay, being a caretaker. Um, I've really struggled with it. Why did I say that? Where was I going with that? See, one of those baloney stories. It'll come back to me in a minute. Mental health. Oh, my grandpa. I, I, I think he was a saint. He was a farmer. He was a saint. My grandma was bipolar. She would be on her meds, do really good for a while. Then she would say, I don't need these meds. Go off the meds. She'd go off the meds, and she would spire out pretty soon. Back then, there, um, she would be in the behavior. My grandpa would have her in Elkhart General in the behavior medicine side. My grandparents went to Dunker Brethren Church on Green Road. They were born-again believers. We look at crazy people sometimes. We say, man, they're off their rocker. Think about that for a minute. What we did in the 80s is we shut down a lot of the institutions. And we said we were going to do case management community. That's a travesty in some respects. In some respects, it's good. In some respects, it's a travesty. Let me tell you why. We got zombies walking around that should be in some type of, of units, but they have freedoms to wear that. And what happens a lot of times, we got a lady that shows up all the time at our place, and her family's helping make a decision because they're her payee or whatever caretakers. She's an adult. She doesn't know whether she's coming or going. They take all her money and spend it and just let her wander around. It's a travesty. But sometimes we run into those people and it's stigma. It's their problem. Why did I tell you all this? It's because right in, here, in the middle of here is a very important thing, especially when it comes to not just poor. A lot of times, too, is if, if, if you think about it, if 60, if 60 to 70% of our population has some type of addiction um, and they wind up at the mission... And, and, you know, sometimes I'll look at them and go like, well, pff, of course you're at the mission, <laughs> you know. You don't manage your money. You blow your money on drugs. Of course you wound up at the mission. You know what's really cool about this part of Scripture right in here that we're reading? It says that we're supposed to be open-handed. You shall give generously to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. <laughs> that really sucks, doesn't it? You want to know Why? Because nowhere in here says you got to figure out why they got to that point. Right? I was teaching at the mission in the last few months. And I was covering the story of the rich man. And I was... I was talking about the cost of following Christ. Remember that story of the rich man? Where the rich man comes up to Christ and he says... He asks him, he goes... You know, teacher, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus tell him? What did Jesus tell him? Sell everything you have 
and give to the poor and follow me. Now, I came here because I'm part fundraiser, see? Sell everything you have and give to the faith mission. (laughs) That's not going to happen. I can see that in your faces. I had a guy come after up at the mission after the cha- after chapel and ask me a question that I've never heard. I've grown up in the church. I've heard this story over and over. I've heard this lesson preached over and over. I don't go to. I should go to church more than I do. Okay, I'll admit that. But I used to go to church every time the doors were open. My parents were in ministry. Shoot, we were the ones that opened the doors, turned on the lights, cleaned the church at times. Okay, huh? Amen. Where was I at now? Do you ever get there? He asked me a question. I was blown away by this depth of question. He said, why did Jesus tell him to sell everything he had and then give it to the poor? Why didn't he just say, give your stuff to the poor? And I was like, That's a good question. I think I have an answer. I think I have an answer. Have any of you ever heard of the book Bridges Out of Poverty? There's a book called Bridges Out of Poverty. And it's an interesting study on people in poverty. And I've come to a conclusion. If you ever get a, if you want to, if if you have anyone that you are working with that has either generational poverty or situational poverty, which is there's a difference. Uh, situational poverty is when a person, um, addictions or a marriage breaks up or something like that, and they get into poverty that way. Generational poverty is what we call the entitlement people. Um, if I have an adult come in that's in generational poverty, and especially if they're my age, I'm not going to spend the time or money trying to get them out of generational poverty. What I'm going to do if they have a family is I'm going to go after the next generation because that's where I'm going to win the battle at, not here. You can spend more money trying to get generational poverty people out, and they just default back. Here's one of the reasons is because I firmly believe this. Think about what the rich man had. Think about today's. Okay, any of you know who Al Yoder was? Any of you know who Al Yoder? He lived right down the street here. Al was on our board of directors just before he passed away. Al Yoder is one of the reasons why Jayco um, got to the place where it was. Him and some other ones, I get that. But Al Yoder was very good at, uh, um, Mr. Bontrager was very good at coming up, the, the, the old man was very good that died in the plane crash, was very good at coming up with the ideas. And Al was the marketing side, take it out and, and, and sell that side of it. Um, I, I use him as an example. If you, if you know very wealthy people, okay, I'll use them as an example. What would a poor person do with what they have today? What would they do? Okay, man, I got a boat. I got tickets. I got tickets to a, a, a trip to, I got plane tickets, hotel trips to, oh, let's say around the world. A very rich person. I'm talking very rich, very rich people. What would a poor person do with that? They couldn't do anything with that. Also, one thing a poor person couldn't do because poor people, if you ever worked with them, you'll know what I'm talking about. They cannot plan ahead. They have no idea how to do abstract thought. They're only dealing with what they see in the room. They can't see outside the room. So if you're frustrated, that's what you're dealing with. Middle class people, 
we've been told to manage our money. Right? Manage your money. Don't you know how to manage your money? You don't know how to manage your money. Poor people spend their money. They don't keep any of it. They spend it. Wealthy people, they conserve it and they hold on to it. That's why they're rich. <laughs> you and I are too busy managing it. If we start holding on to some of it, we'd have more. I operate more as a poor person. I spend it. I don't carry cash anyway. I don't know about you. I was one of those guys when they said we were going to cashless society. I said, I'll be the last man. You know, if I ever, you, you really don't do it anymore, but I got to where if I pulled up to where a place that wasn't pay at the pump, <laughs> I just drove off and I'd drive 15 miles, find another one that was pay at the pump. I wasn't going to walk in and see a cash register, cashier. Poor people don't know how to spend money. There's no way. I don't think times have changed. I don't, I know times have changed. I don't think things have changed. I think even in Jesus' day, he knew that whatever the rich man had, there's no way that the rich, that just taking his stuff and giving it to the poor. Think about it. Back then, they had like huge flocks. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're living from meal to meal, there's no way. What am I going to do with a whole bunch of sheep? You know, now I got to feed them. You know how much hay cost? Right? See what I'm saying? See, sometimes we think that they were just, the, you know, but put it in today's, put it in today's. That's what was going on. I love the story, this story here. That's why one of the things that we put it in as our adopted scripture verse at Faith Mission is because that even in good times, we have people that are homeless and poor. In fact, sometimes we have just as many when the economy is good as we do when the economy is bad. And the part of the reason is it's not about money. And it's not about jobs. We can get jobs. I mean, we had downturn economy, but it's not just about jobs. But, Jesus, but God told the children of Israel that they need to be open and free and giving to the poor, and they needed to do it. Now, I didn't come here just to raise money and tell you not to give grunts, uh, be all, you know, give like, be one of those people who's like, mm. you know, when it says you invite somebody over, Jesus said, don't invite somebody over and then say, man, he ate, or take him out to eat, you know. You ever do this? You take someone out to eat and you have water with lime or lemon and they have like two or three Cokes that there's no free refills and you have like a a salad or something and they get a steak or something and you're going like, man, didn't he look how much that cost? You know, Jesus said, don't do that. That's what I'm talking about this morning. See, we do stuff kind of unwittingly at times. And then sometimes we'll look at people that are either less fortunate or we'll look at people that have addictions, that are incarcerated, and then we'll look at them as if there's something less. I see it all the time. Everyone has value. And if you didn't know this, let me, in, let, let me in on a little secret. I've read multiple times from Genesis to Revelations. Read read from Genesis to Revelation and then try to figure out and count how many times that God says he loves the poor. How many times he loves the poor. Let me tell you the reason why. I'm going to close with this. The reason God loves the poor is because poor people for the most part, and I don't think this has ever changed, they understand a principle. 
they understand that they are dependent upon somebody else. Did you hear what I said? Poor people understand, for the most part, that they are dependent upon somebody else. Most of us are self-made. And even though we don't say it at times, we act it out. We really, if you think about it, don't need God. I'm not talking eternity now. We all know that. I'm talking about daily living. We get to a point sometimes that we kind of feel like, I've made this, I deserve this. We really don't need God. And poor people understand that they need God because they rely. And that's why I believe that we see so many people come to Christ in our arena compared to the general population is because they understand that principle. Is they rely on each other constantly in other people. You and I need to totally rely on God and be dependent upon His guidance, His Spirit, His leading, and who He is. And whatever we do, whatever we do.